sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. You are watching all across the Sports Grid Network as well. And I am Ben Stevens. We start with Major League Baseball, and we'll get to a ton on today's program, including more Major League Baseball up next, some college football and NFL in the mix from a futures perspective. And it's the fourth and final major championship. In this golf calendar year, the Open Championship, the 150th playing at the home of golf, St. Andrews in Scotland. A full preview of everything you need to know for that major championship, including the big cat himself, Eldrick Tiger Woods, coming up in hour number two. But we begin with potential Dodger dominance on the road in a big series last night, getting underway under the arch in St. Louis. The Dodgers, the favorites on the road, even with Mitch White on the bump, Take it on the Cardinals. The Dodgers riding a seven-game winning streak entering last night against St. Louis. The Redbirds say enough of that. Snapping the Dodgers' seven-game win streak and win seven to six at home, hanging on just narrowly to that victory. Albert Pujols against his former team. Yes, he did play in a Dodgers uniform last season. Hit a home run to get the scoring started in the second inning. St. Louis led 6-1 to one after four. The Dodgers claw their way back into the game. Freddie Freeman hits a bomb in the top of the ninth to make it 7-6, but the Cardinals hold on from there. St. Louis now has won three straight games, having lost eight of their last 11 entering this three-game win streak. And because of that, the Redbirds just two games back of the Brewers in that National League Central standings, and the odds board starting to reflect that as well. And because of the win, St. Louis now holds that sixth and final spot in the NL wildcard race by themselves, a full game in front of the Philadelphia Phillies. Something to pay attention to in this star-studded series between the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Three of the five best odds when National League MVP will be on the diamond in St. Louis over the coming days, including the favorite for the National League MVP award right now, Paul Goldschmidt, the all-star first baseman for St. Louis, plus 105, the number on Goldie. But you'll see Mookie Betts, who is 12 to 1, and Trey Turner, and actually, hey, Freddie Freeman in the mix as well. So four of the top six odds to win the National League MVP on display here in St. Louis over the next couple of days. Trey Turner, a big night for the Dodgers at the plate. Another multiple hit game, two of four, a home run, two RBIs, and scored three runs. Goldschmidt only one hit last night in five plate appearances, but does have a 333 average this year. That is the best in all of the NL, the second best in Major League Baseball. So again, St. Louis takes the opening game of this series, booked as a home underdog last night against the Dodgers. They win seven to six. Elsewhere, in the National League West. Well, it hasn't been a great stretch of baseball for the San Diego Padres, still awaiting the return of their superstar in Fernando Tatis Jr. Manny Machado, who had the second best odds for the NL most valuable player, as you saw right there, doing his best. But the Padres struggling here as of late. They lose the second game of their set 
of four in Colorado in Coors Field last night, five to three, getting taken down by the Rockies. Now the Padres have lost three of their last four games, 14 of their last 19 in a much larger sample size and sit seven and a half games back of the Dodgers in those National League West standings. Again, following last night, five to three in Colorado. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after live on this Wednesday all across the grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. So in that National League West, maybe not Dodgers dominance as a road favorite last night in St. Louis, but certainly Dodgers dominance when it comes to the odds board and the standings. A seven and a half game lead over San Diego for that top spot in the National League West. And because of that, the odds certainly reflect that strong lead with a very strong price. A heavy odds on favorite are the Dodgers at minus 950. They were minus 250 or so entering the season as an odds on favorite in the National League West. Nearly $7 of movement on that number. The best odds of any team to win any division in the National League. The third best odds of any team to win any division in all of the bigs behind the Astros, who are minus 7,000 to win the American League West, and the Yankees, who are minus 4,000 to win the AL East. The Padres, plus 800 in this division. The second best odds, again, a seven and a half game deficit behind Los Angeles. The Giants, who held off LA last year late in September to win the National League West, now sit 12 games behind their rivals in LA. They are 40 to 1 in the National League West. But from a wild card perspective, that is our focus here as we approach the All Star break this weekend in Major League Baseball. The Padres in that fifth spot in the National League standings, and the Giants two games out of St. Louis for that sixth and final spot in the NL wildcard race. All right, so here's what we have in store for you on the morning after on this Wednesday. Joining us next for two consecutive segments, it is our guy, Joe Ranieri, to continue to go around Major League Baseball. Chris Sale makes his debut this season for the Boston Red Sox. We'll look at that. We'll talk some football. Is there a Super Bowl hangover for both the Rams and the Bengals? There seems to be a little bit of that reflected in the odds market. For the Cincinnati Bengals, the reigning AFC champions, we'll dive into college football with our second cup of Joe, Joe Lisi, to end out hour number one. And then in hour two, as promised, a full blown breakdown and preview every angle, every number, every Tiger Woods odds that you need to know for the Open Championship that gets underway tomorrow in Scotland at St. Andrews. Joe Ranieri joins the show next for some Major League Baseball break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. And our guy, Joe Ranieri, is now in the mix. JR, thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. Let's continue to go around Major League Baseball. Only a couple more days left, Joe, of the official first Mm -hmm. half of this Major League Baseball campaign before we get to the All-Star break. When the games wrap up on Sunday night, that's it for the first half of this season. Into the All-Star break we go. So it's a good time, Joe, to reset and to look at everything we had ahead. I am uh, I'm excited, uh, Ben, actually, because uh, 
we we were waiting for the regression to hit with some of these teams like the uh like the yanks right uh, i'm still I'm still actually nauseous from watching that uh, that meltdown uh, last night, but it was inevitable. 162 games, they weren't going to rattle off 120 wins. They were going to have stretches like this, um, yep. and uh, I think we're seeing that before the All-Star break. So, you know, timing is everything in sports, Ben, right? So the timing and the All-Star break uh, coming up here may be just what teams like uh, the Yankees need the Mets may need uh, maybe they can get a little healthier after the all-star break some of these teams looking to make a stretch run I think the yep. all-star game and that whole all-star break happening at exactly the right time for them. good timing for the Boston Red Sox last night mm -hmm. at least in getting their ace back on the bump Chris Sale making his season debut in 2022 for the Red Sox last night on the road in Tampa and Sale was great. Five innings of shutout baseball, only giving up three hits against the Rays, striking out five, just barely going under his K-prop of five in a hook. But it's Tampa who storms back once Sale exits the game in the bottom of the sixth to take the mm -hmm. game over the Red Sox three to two. So five scoreless mm -hmm. out of Chris Sale, Joe. And then he leaves after 78 pitches. And the Boston Red Sox at that point were up two nothing. And then the Rays come back to score three in the sixth. The final two runs they scored in the home half of that frame off throwing errors from Boston in the field. And despite a gr good return from Chris Sale, it's a Tampa victory, three to two on the road. Yeah, uh, 97 I saw on the gun, too, uh, last night yep. when he was throwing. So the velocity was there. Uh, and I believe, uh, what are we, to 78 pitches, 53 strikes, I think, somewhere in that ballpark. So... Uh, he had some command. Uh, he uh, he had some velocity. He had some spin. And oh yeah, he didn't take out any drywall on the way, uh, you know, to the uh, clubhouse. So that's always a good sign. You can always tell whether or not he's pitching well. But can we settle down here a little bit, guys? All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ben and I uh, could maybe three hit the Tampa Bay Rays. This team is atrocious. Not exactly uh, murderous row here. So while it was a nice start. Um, yep. unless he's also not only going to start but come out of the bullpen because that bullpen is still hot trash for the Boston Red Sox. It'll be interesting to see what they do come trade deadline there, uh, Ben. The Rays have taken the first two games of this series against the Red Sox. In fact, they have won four straight over Boston in the last week, dating back to the 4th of July holiday weekend and booked as a slight underdog in all four of those wins over the Red Sox. Are we concerned at all, Joe, for Boston? They have lost eight of their last 12 games. They went on a crazy run from the middle of May toward the end of June, where they were 30-11 and 11 from May 13th until June 26th. But since that time, now just 5-10, and 10, something to monitor. As the Rays now move into that second spot in the AL East, 14 games behind the Yankees, but Tampa Bay now the third-best record overall in the American League as Joe alluded to earlier on slight concern maybe for the Yanks I kid but they have lost three straight games including last night with Garrett Cole on the bump and Cole was fantastic seven innings of shutout baseball striking out 11 against the Reds Ooh. it's the reason why he has the third best price to win the American League Cy Young although Oof. the top two odds in Shane McClanahan and Justin Verlander a lot shorter than that number on Garrett Cole but then Clay Holmes enters the game, top of the ninth inning, looking for the save against Cincy. The Yanks are up 3-0, and the Reds score four in the top half of the ninth to storm back 
and beat the Yankees. The Reds, Joe, have won five straight. The Yankees have lost three straight games, only their second three-game losing skid of the year, dating back to the ending portion of May. You know, Ben, if you woke up this morning and you looked at the uh, what happened in the ninth inning and you just didn't look at any of the names, you'd have swore the Yankees brought in Chapman. And you were like, what in the, why would you bring in Chapman so he can hit two guys, walk two guys, yep. give up two hits? No, no, it wasn't Chapman. It was very Chapman-esque. Uh, but that's now, what, the second uh, straight game now that we've seen uh, Holmes appear and give up leads? Yep. Uh, not doing good. Did it against the, uh, the Sox. And, of course, uh, just yep. did it again last night. I'm going to chalk it up. You mentioned it. Still a 14-game lead. This would be much more nauseating if they, uh, you know, were only ahead two games. But since they do have a two-touchdown lead over everyone else, I'm going to chalk it up and say everyone relax. But please don't tell me that the American League East, with Baltimore winning last night, there is not one yep. team in this division under 500, Ben. It's by far the best division in baseball. Okay. I don't want to hear it. And they're going. And the fact that you still have the Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays uh, with a, as many games as they are above, knowing how well this division is, it's going to be an interesting second half in the American League East. You could legitimately make the argument right now that all five teams, including the Yankees, who still have the best record in all of baseball, a three and a half game advantage in that part over the Astros, all five teams in the AL East are certainly in postseason contention. A quick look at a couple other odds from the American League Cy Young race. Dylan Cease on the bump for the mm. second game of a doubleheader against the Guardians yesterday. He pitches five and two-thirds of shutout baseball, striking out nine. He now has the most strikeouts in all of the bigs. The White Sox win that game 7 nothing, but they split the doubleheader against Cleveland because Shane Bieber who is 35 to 1 on this odds board throws his first complete game since 2019 to take the opening game of that doubleheader yesterday against the White Sox. The Guardians three and a half games back of the Twins in the American League Central. The White Sox now five games behind Minnesota. Let's focus now, Joe, on two teams that are firmly in the wild card races in mm -hmm. each of their leagues. The Phils in the National League now one full game behind St. Louis for that sixth and final spot. The Blue Jays with a victory yesterday, 4-3 to three over Philadelphia, occupy that sixth and final spot in the American League wildcard race by themselves thanks to 13 strikeouts, Gerenary, by yesterday's winning pitcher, Jose Barrios. Yeah, uh, you got good Barrios uh, yesterday, which is always uh, always a pleasure to see if you're backing a Toronto. Yep. Bad Barrios is not good at all, but uh, it's a coin flip with him. That's the problem. Uh, the Phillies, you know, they kept this game off the board for so long, Ben, because nobody knew who was playing, who's not there, who's going to Canada, who's not going to Canada. Um, you know, that's going to be, especially with some of these interleague matchups yep. uh, crossing the border, is going to be interesting to see. But, hey, even striking out as many times as they did, they still had an opportunity to win this game. It was tied uh, until, yep. I believe, the sixth inning, somewhere in that ballpark there. And then they did a pretty good job, the Phillies' bullpen, of at least limiting uh, the damage here. But uh, both of these teams, if they can... Goodness, if the, if the Toronto Blue Jays could actually get the hits with runners in scoring position on a consistent basis, yep. they'd be a force. But... They can't, Ben. And, you know, the Phillies are much of the same there. Although the Phillies went through that streak of they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. No Harper anymore. But 
a very winnable division still, I think, in the National League East. Both of these teams right now, Philadelphia and Toronto, 46 and 42 straight up. The Blue Jays mm -hmm. in that sixth spot in the American League wildcard race, but the third best odds in the AL pennant market <laughs> at plus 800. The Phils 16 to 1 in the National League. Eight games back of the New York Mets are the Phillies right now in the National League East, but Atlanta back to just a game and a half back of the yeah. Mets based on a victory yesterday, the second of the three we will see day baseball between the Mets Oof. and the Braves and no movement in that marketplace though from yesterday's odds the Mets still the favorite in the National League East at minus 140 time for some football futures with Joe Ranieri Oof. up next here on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com there is an old adage in sports a championship hangover of sorts if you have reached the pinnacle of your respective league that maybe the next year you're not as good we discuss a super bowl hangover potentially now for the upcoming 2022 nfl season back live right here on a wednesday on the morning after joe ranieri is with us for a second straight segment and joe of course if we're talking a super bowl hangover it's the two teams that played in super bowl 56 in los angeles the Rams victorious, the Bengals suffering a defeat. And we will discuss what their optimism looks like entering 2022. Now, in the Super Bowl odds for this upcoming campaign, Ranieri, the Rams have the fourth best price, 11 to 1, behind the favorites in the Bills, the Bucks, the best odds out of the NFC in which the Rams play. And of course, the Kansas City Chiefs round out the top three at plus 950. But scroll with me here, Ranieri, if you will, mm -hmm. to find the Bengals all the way down there at 20 to one tied with the Ravens for the 10th best odds as you can see there at plus mm -hmm. 2000 Joe big picture here you look at the Rams you look at Cincinnati what do you think that Super Bowl hangover might look like in 2022 well I think it's going to look a little bit different after uh after the Rams beat Buffalo in the first game of the season and all of a sudden uh the uh, it's it's coming Ben you and I both hey. know it so if you like hey. the Rams take it out because that bandwagon <laughs> it's going to come as soon as they beat uh, Buffalo who uh everyone seems to think is uh just a shoo-in out of the uh out of the AFC but Cincinnati Perception reality, Ben. Isn't that what we have yep. at play here? I mean, the perception 100%. of Cincinnati was, hey, great year last year. It was great. The reality is, are we really anticipating Cincinnati to repeat that same ridiculousness here for two years in a row? Eh, no. Uh, don't think it's going to uh, happen. They did get a lot go their way. They put themselves in a position to win some games in which they ended up succeeding. But you know that, Ben. That's a coin flip. Uh, in a lot of situations. Um, I do think the Bengals are going to take a step back here. Mix in that whole, you know, mm. Super Bowl hangover situation. I do not think they're in a position to do what the Rams, the other uh, team there, the champs, are going to be able to do, which I think is make a serious run at defending uh, their Super Bowl championship this year. 
the market feels the same way that Joe does about the Cincinnati Bengals, and we'll discuss that in just a couple of minutes because I look forward to that argument. May I play the other side, potentially a devil's advocate, in favor of Joey Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. But first, we start with the team that won the Lombardi Trophy a season ago in the Los Angeles Rams because if I feel the market is undervaluing Cincinnati, I also feel the market might be slightly undervaluing the Rams as well. Mm -hmm. It feels weird to say for the reigning Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, but they don't even have the best odds, Joe, in their own conference to repeat as champions there to get back to another Super Bowl. They are 5-1, to tied for the second best price with the Green Bay Packers, but nearly a full $2 behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady's 23rd year in the NFL on the horizon. I feel there is some value on Los Angeles, Joe, in the NFC Championship marketplace. What do you think? I I agree with you 100% here. I think they're going to be loaded. I think uh, Stafford... Natalie's uh, tasted uh, winning here. He's got his ring, a little less pressure, a little more uh, understanding of what's going on with McVeigh and his system. I think McVeigh now has a, uh, you know, a little bit better understanding of the players. I think they, listen, they went all in, Ben. Did they not? I mean, they mortgaged the future to win now. And they did it last year. And you know what? That's going to carry over to this year for the most part. That is pretty much the same team that won the championship last year is going to be rolling into town again this year. They start off against everyone's darling in the AFC. Uh, When they do win that game, uh, people are going to be believing, Ben. You know recency bias. They are all going to be jumping on the Rams bandwagon there's a little bit of hesitation because of the whole you know oh the super bowl hangover there yeah no that that means absolutely uh nothing on any way shape or form so i do i'm with you i think the rams i think the rams got just as good a shot uh, to going back and defending their title i think they are a great value bet in the nfc championship Mm -hmm. market and to echo joe's point here the opening night of the year The night the Super Bowl banner will hang in SoFi, the Rams get their rings, the Thursday night debut for the 2022 NFL season at home in Los Angeles, inside SoFi Stadium. The Rams are an underdog. I know it's only a point, but minus 104 even on that money line compared to the Bills, who are a one-point favorite and minus 112, that money line price. I don't get it, but I like the value on LA in many, many spots. And Here's why L.A. is nearly $2 behind Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship market. The path is so much easier for the Buccaneers out of the NFC South, where Tampa is a minus 290 heavy odds on favorite than the Rams in what we expect to still be a competitive NFC West. Yet I have my doubts about the three other teams outside of Los Angeles. Because, Joe, as we look at these odds right now in the NFC West, the Rams are the favorites but it's a plus money price at plus 125, mm-hmm. 75 cents ahead of Trey Lance in the Niners mm-hmm. at two to one. The Cardinals without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the year and all the issues we have with Arizona, they're three to one. And I don't really think we need to dive into the Seahawks all that much. They're 15 to one with the longest odds in this division. So you're hanging a plus money mm-hmm. price on the reigning Super Bowl champs in their own division to repeat as champions there as well, Joe again value on LA 
Yep. Value big time on LA. I don't, uh, none of those teams uh, below the Rams there. I, are we, uh, are we trusting the 49ers to do what exactly? Seattle, uh, the last we heard, Ben, aren't they trying to get the, uh, the scraps from the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, isn't that's now the push? Like, what? Um, yeah, I don't get it. Joe, in Arizona, Joe. I always thought was a fraud. So I, I think not this is be... the Rams by far. Joe, there's not going to be an in- – I would be shocked. Listen, I know Seattle needs a lot, and they need to rebuild at the quarterback right. position. As of right now, it's a competition between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And I know the Niners are looking to dispatch Jimmy Garoppolo anywhere, but trading within the division to make a competitor that much better, and Jimmy G would be an upgrade at that quarterback spot – I don't buy that's an actual realistic possibility, do you? I, uh, he is not going to start in a 49er uniform here, guys. It's right. not, something is going to happen. It has to happen. And really, at this point, I think Shanahan and company, they are so invested uh, in this kid. I, they can't. I mean, whoever, what's the market? If Seattle's willing to give them more than anybody else, man, what are they going to do? Well, I mean, what are the odds? Because they're worried. What does it say if you're worried about trading him to Seattle? What does that say then? Like, then why isn't he your quarterback when your rookie goes out there and wins three games? Like, you know, it's 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 ugly across the board yeah. for them. I do think uh, all three of those teams outside of the Rams have way more issues uh, heading into this yep. year, way more question marks. I got a lot more faith in the Rams and their head coach and that staff than I do anybody else. They're in win-now mode. That window is closing, yep. and they know it. They got to strike while the iron's hot. So you can see the odds on Los Angeles, and you can get the sentiment from both Joe Ranieri and I. We do not believe there will be a Super Bowl hangover that has a long-lasting mm-hmm. effect, unlike your Sunday morning on the Los Angeles Rams. However, Joe believes there will be one on the Bengals. Ranieri, allow me to make mm-hmm. this argument here quickly sure. for Cincinnati. They have the second-best odds in the AFC North right now, plus 180, only behind the Ravens, who are booked as the favorites at plus 160. I agree with what you were saying, and that's how the market feels as well. Cincinnati last year in 2021, after winning four games in 2020, had a win total of six and a half. They had the third longest odds in the entirety of the league to win last year's Super Bowl in all of the NFL. Only the Texans and the Jets had longer odds entering last season. So yes, The Bengals far exceeded our expectations last year, and they won their first playoff game in 30 years on their way to winning an AFC championship. So you feel that there has to be some negative regression in store for Cincinnati. Let me play the other side of that coin. We have a young core here, led by one of the best young quarterbacks in the league in Joe Burrow, with dynamic offensive weapons all around him. And the glaring issue for Cincy last year was on the offensive line. What did they attack this offseason? Bolstering that O-line to protect their most prized asset in Joe Burrow. So, Joe, it's weird, in my opinion, that the market expects that regression. Why don't we look at this young team that exceeded expectations and think, hey, that's just a start for Cincinnati. There is still room for improvement. That's how I feel about the Bengals. Uh, listen, I love, all right, the the positivity that you're throwing out here right now. Like the whole Thank glass you. half full thing is fantastic. Honestly, I'm sure Joe Lisi's going to appreciate it coming up as well. But here's the reality, Ben. Not uh, with my money, not with Lisi's money. Oh, hell no. It is the Bengals. And oh, by the way, 
everybody's going to be gunning for them now. They were they kind of flew under the radar because nobody expected Fair it. Point. They are all going to expect it this year. Yeah, no, don't trust the coaching staff. Uh, Burrow, I still think, uh, has uh, is an injury away from tanking that team. Not buying it, man. Regression's coming. But, hey, glass half full. Proud of you, Ben. That was outstanding stuff. You don't make money, though. I knew when you, uh, I knew when you built up that speech right there. I knew when you built that up. You were going to pull the rug out so fast from under my feet. Bengals plus 180 in the AFC North for me, Joe Neri. Thank you, as always, no for your time. You are the best. The second cup of Joe with Joe Lisi's money up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's have some fun with college football. Media days around the country begin next week. College football in the year 2022 is on the horizon. No, not conference realignment and all that big picture stuff. The present and getting ready for a new college football season. If we do that ever on the morning after, that means the mastermind of the pigskin, as he is known, Sports Grid's college football analyst, Joe Lisi joins us now. If you want more CFB talk with these two pretty faces you're about to see on your screen, Joe Lisi and I host Football Full Circle each and every weekday starting at noon Eastern time on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 159. Lisi, you got the itch? Are you ready for some college football? Absolutely, Ben. I, I, and we're on we're on the big screen this Saturday talking college football for a couple of hours. Doesn't get better than that in terms of that's like almost an Academy Award between the both of us. Are you kidding me? I can't wait for August going. 27. No Emmys, no Golden Globes, straight to the Academy Awards on Football Full Circle. Joe Lisi and I will host that on Saturday morning, this upcoming Saturday as well, 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Sports Grid Network. So you mentioned August 27th, Joe. Let's have some fun by looking at some of the marquee matchups early on in this college football season and dissecting what a few of these teams might have on the horizon for the rest of the 2022 campaign. It gets started Saturday, August 27th, less than seven weeks away in Dublin, in Ireland, between Nebraska and Northwestern. The Huskers... An 11-and-a-half-point favorite right now, Joe, live on the FanDuel Sportsbook with a total hovering right around 50-and-a-half for that season debut. You look at that big number, 11-and-a-half in favor of Nebraska, who won just three games last year. Where are you leaning for this one, Lacey? Uh, this is the, the most intriguing game uh, week zero because the pressure's on Scott Frost right now in the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Casey Thompson comes over from Texas. That line has already jumped from eight and a half all the way up to 11 and a half right now on FanDuel. And Nebraska needs to win the game. Forget about the cover. They don't win that ball game. Scott Frost, like you mentioned before, might not get on the plane back to Lincoln, <laughs> Nebraska because of the pressure that's on that program. I if yep. we're betting this game early on and we're and I'm forced to pick this game, I can only look Northwestern now. Northwestern mm -hmm. had one of the worst passing offenses in FBS last year. They forced uh, only average around 140 passing yards per game. Ryan Holinsky takes over. 
I think this game has to be very close for Northwestern. They need to uh, sustain yep. drives, run the football, time of possession to keep Casey Thompson on the sidelines. So that's why I would lean to Northwestern with the points number one and the under of 50 and a half then. And, and at the end of the day, we've talked about it on the show as well, that if you take the points with Northwestern, there's no pressure. And what I mean by that is if they jump up early, great. If they fall behind, you still can get a backdoor cover. If you're laying the 11 and a half with Nebraska, everything right. can and possibly could go wrong if this team falls behind. That's why I can only look underdog in this matchup. Some historic trends here in this matchup series history between the Huskers and the Wildcats. Generally pretty close when these two teams have met as Big Ten competition, except for last year in Lincoln, a primetime game under the lights at Memorial Stadium. Nebraska won 56-7 as an 11-point home favorite with a total right at 51.5 that pushed to the over. But this a neutral site game in Dublin. Now, Nebraska, 3-9 a season ago, but all nine of those losses by single digits each and every offseason. The offseason hype builds in Lincoln. There is some positive ideas of optimism surrounding the Cornhuskers, as reflected, uh, Lisey, here in our Big Ten West divisional odds, where Nebraska is plus 300, the second best price, only a dollar and 30 cents behind Wisconsin as the favorites. I mentioned it. The Huskers were a three and nine football team a season ago, and yet they have the second best odds, Joe, in the Big Ten West. Does that make sense to you? No, but then Texas shouldn't be the second best team in the Big 12 either. And there they are at plus 250, right? Sort of the same type of, I want to say, similarities between the Longhorns and Nebraska. Until you do it, you can't put money down on Scott Frost. Where is the marquee win for Scott Frost in his four years in Lincoln? I just haven't seen it. It's good good to win, lose close games. They lost 32 to 29 to Michigan, but they haven't gotten over the hump. A few years ago, back two or three years ago, they went toe-to-toe what Urban Meyer lost as a 23-and-a-half point dog, 36-31. If I'm looking at these odds right now, Ben, and we're talking about a dark horse, a team that potentially could steal the Big Ten West, I can't look Nebraska. I'm going to P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. Why? Experience at the quarterback position with Tanner Morgan. You have Ibrahim that comes back from an ACL injury, their big play running back. And let's not forget – This was a defense that allowed 17.3 points for a game last year and was top Mm -hmm. 10 statistically, not only in the Big Ten, but in all of college football in terms of against yards, against the rush, uh, passing defense, statistically third down defense. So this defense, if they could play that way this year, I think they have a very good shot at 6-1 to to steal the West over the likes of Iowa and Wisconsin. No other team outside of the service academies a season ago ran the football more than the Golden Gophers. And they get Mohamed Ibrahim back this year after suffering a devastating injury in that season opener against Ohio State a year ago. Minnesota's team win total, seven and a half. Purdue's team win total, seven and a half. Iowa's team win total, seven and a half. And Nebraska even at seven and a half with the over heavily juiced. There are some plus money prices on these teams to win at least 10 games in the regular season. Plus 600 for the Huskers, plus 700 for Iowa, who has won 10 regular season games in two of the last three years. If they can win 10, it's a great path to winning the Big Ten West Divisional Crown as well. All right, let's go to one of the other season openers early on in the 2022 college football season. That first 
Thursday night game. The backyard brawl. Bitter foes, Pittsburgh and West Virginia. And the Panthers at home, Joe, a six-point favorite. A total that stands at 54. Of course, Pitt coming off an ACC championship a season ago when Kenny Pickett was their quarterback and Mark Whipple was their offensive coordinator. Neither of those gentlemen still playing or coaching for the Pittsburgh Panthers, which tells you what about this season opener against WVU. Well, it's, it's a clash between two former USC quarterbacks. JT Daniels transfers over from Georgia for West Virginia to take over the reins with Neil Brown. And Keaton Slovis comes off the bus and recognizes and realizes that Mark Whipple, the former offensive coordinator that coached up Kenny Pickett, is in Lincoln yep. with Scott Frost. How does he feel about that? But I think when you look at this matchup, and I, I, I have a better feeling about this game than maybe I did a couple of weeks ago, but I broke down West Virginia last year. They were a team a couple of years ago under Neil Brown that had one of the worst rushing offenses in all of college football in his first year there. They statistically ranked 126th out of 128 teams. Last year, a couple of years ago, they ran the football with Letty Brown. That got them over the hump, and they won ball games. They could not maintain that consistency last year, Ben, and that's why I think they're up against it against Pittsburgh. In seven of their 13 games, they failed to rush for over 100. They were 0-7 in those games and lost those games by 12 points per game. So now that goes right into the front seven of Pittsburgh. That Pat Narduzzi, all he does is recruit front seven talent. They had over 50 sacks last year. Even though I might not love the offense with Pittsburgh, I don't see West Virginia being able to move the football. I like Pitt in the backyard brawl laying the six early on. The Panthers last year, 10-3 and against the spread when booked as a favorite. The only team in all of college football to cover 10 games when booked as a favorite a season ago. And because of that great performance ATS, and of course straight up, Pittsburgh won the ACC, snapping a streak of six straight ACC championships for Dabo Sweeney in Clemson. Well, now the Tigers booked as an odds-on favorite once again to win this conference at minus 140. Lisi, how do you see the ACC playing out in 2022? It's incredible because Clemson deserves to be there, and we talked about it, Ben, just straight up against ACC opponents. You want to talk about dominance for the Clemson Tigers since 2014. They are 67-6 and straight up against ACC opponents, and more importantly, wow. in Death Valley, straight up since 2016, 46 and 1. Yes, 46 and 1. The only loss came to Pittsburgh and Nate Peterman when Deshaun Watson was there. So, why is that such a big factor? Well, they get both of their toughest games in terms of NC State. October 1st at home, they're already a 10-point favorite on FanDuel. And later in the year, November 15th, against the Miami Hurricanes and Tyler Van Dyke, they're already 7.5-point favorites in that matchup. So, assuming that things hold true, I think Clemson's going to win the uh, the ACC title and get, have, will have a berth in terms of the college football playoff. If we're looking at NC State, they're 13-5 and the past two years straight up against ACC opponents. But the last three years, on the road or on a neutral field site, only 5-11. and 11. So that needs to change this year. Otherwise, they're not going to be there. And Miami as well, since 2018, on the road or on a neutral field, 10-15. and 15. And we know what Cristobal did in the last two games against Utah. So unless they change that, I can only look Clemson here. It was a disastrous season for the Clemson Tigers. And they still won 10 games, including six straight 
to end out the year covering as a favorite in five of those six games. I hope you guys can understand why I call Joe Lisi the mastermind of the pigskin in all of the incredible information he just rattled off right there. But there's another way I would describe Lisi. That's a big Utah backer as well as myself. Big Utah people entering the 2022 college football season, both Joe Lisi and myself. And it gets started with a great test for the Utes on the road in the swamp in Gainesville against Florida, that opening big Saturday, week number one of the college football campaign. And we've seen movement in this number, Lisey. Utah originally booked as a road underdog, now a one-and-a-half-point favorite in the swamp against the Gators. Do you think Utah is deserved of that favored side? I do. I, I think they're a better, more complete team entering 2022 physicality on the offense and defense aligns Tavion Thompson and a, a very experienced quarterback in cam rising the way they finished against Ohio State 48 to 45 one of the most productive offenses that we've seen in terms of Utah history over the past couple of years here's the thing Anthony Richardson to me is raw Billy Napier needs to weed out the players that fit the scheme don't fit the scheme and they're still weak in my opinion in run support that's the strength of Utah. I would have loved Utah plus the two right now. They're minus the one and a half. Yep. If they're going to run the table in the Pac-12, they need this game if they plan on being or cracking the college football playoff. A short number under three, I would lay Utah. I mean, when you look at that win total now, Lisey, it's eight and a half for the Utes. It was minus 115 to the over two and a half weeks ago. Now the juice is at minus 140 because Utah has gone over eight and a half wins in seven of its last eight seasons, including last year. Which means, Lisey, go to the Pac-12 quickly. Who's your pick to win this conference? Is it the Utah Utes at plus 300? Well, I think they'll be there, Ben. They have a very tough schedule, but I'm going Chip Kelly in UCLA. You look at their schedule, they could be 5-0 and before... They square off in the Rose Bowl on October 8th against Utah. DTTR is an experienced quarterback. Biggest thing for me, they got over the hump at 8-4 last year. Run support, much better. I'm taking UCLA as a dark horse. You like that 12-1 to price. One price we both don't like, USC. The favorite at plus 150, not for us. Joe Lisi, thank you so much as always. We round out our number one up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one of the morning after live here on this Wednesday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. The home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz Network. I am Ben Stevens. A slight correction of something I misstated in our most recent segment with Joe Lisi looking at the Utah Utes. My pick to win the Pac-12 at plus 300. I said they went over their win total of eight and a half, eight of the last nine years. It's six of the last seven full seasons in college football sorry my enthusiasm and excitement for utah this upcoming year is at an all-time high but we end out our number one going back to baseball major league baseball and the hottest team in the bigs the baltimore orioles have now won nine straight games and sit just two games back of the sixth and final spot 
in the American League wildcard race. We're about to be at the All-Star break. I never thought I would utter these words. Can the Orioles actually be a playoff team? Let's find out what you had to say and fade the public. So here's where Baltimore finds itself. A few days out from the All-Star break. 44 and 44 straight up. An even 500. And again, just two games behind Toronto for that last wild card spot in the American League. Can the Baltimore Orioles actually make the playoffs? That's what we asked you today. At SportsGridTV on Twitter. This poll still active and ongoing. And a pretty close split here between the public. Most of the public saying no. Baltimore's not a playoff team, 52%, but nearly 48% saying yes, the O's have a realistic shot. It will be a fascinating case study in tanking and looking to the future versus an actually good baseball team in the present to see what Baltimore does ahead of the trade deadline, which comes at the end of this month. For now, the Orioles 44 and 44 straight up, a win total before the year of 61 and a half. Baltimore is going to fly past that number. Much more Major League Baseball as we start our number two of TMA on the other side of the break, followed by a Sports Grid News update from Alex Fasano.